0: We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming.
1: Welcome to Folly! No, wait, that's not it. Hey, it's Coolio, if you don't know, and welcome to Season 3 of square wave symphony here on ckdu 88.1 fm halifax it is time to get this thing started i hope everyone has been having a good summer so far um it has been pretty good for me as well you know with all those neat games that are coming out like Shining Re- Residence Refrain and Octopath Traveler and East 8 and I'm still playing Zeable Chronicles 2. To be fair, there is a lot of stuff to do in that game and I am the type of crazy person who will go ahead and do all of it. But, you know, that's just me. That's just the, the thing that I like to do. And uh, I know I'm not the only one out there. So we're just going to take that as it is and start this show as we always do by taking a look at what is new over at lowbiasgaming.net. Um I'm going to go ahead with the last two weeks since we haven't uh, had a live show in quite some time. Uh, We have a couple of episodes of Link and Zelda Panoply of Kaltia. It is getting near to the end at this point. Um, We have a couple of episodes of Wrath of the Black Manta by Jason. Uh, Scarlet brings us a ton of stuff as he always does. Uh, We have a let's play of Pokemon Yellow. Wild Arms second ignition is still not done. Wow, that's going on for a while. Uh, Dynasty Warriors 8, Duke Nukem 3D, and Musha Warlords. Uh, and our monthly for this month is uh, go back and play a monthly that you have not finished, and, you know, keep playing it. Um, so for that, uh, Jason has brought us an episode of Faster Than Light. Uh, And it is pretty good. Actually, yeah, uh, Panoply of Kalatea, the last episode is up right now. So that is um, a thing. And I suppose I'm going to need to look into making some more stuff. Because I have actually not done that in a little while. Guilty as charged. Uh, We have a couple of episodes of um, Mystery Science Theater 3000 available on the forum. Including Manos, the Hands of Fate. Uh, as well as uh, Warrior of the, what is this? Warrior of the Lost World and uh, Hercules, one of the many Herculeses that uh, have been lampooned by MST3K. All right, so we got a great show today, and starting with a uh, an archives that might sound a little bit familiar, but I bet you never knew uh, that this game has a full theme song. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, let's get to it. Listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was Paradise by Tokyo Q Channel and is the extended title theme from today's game, From the Archives. Evil pigs, man-eating plants, hidden paths, wacky weapons, moving obstacles. Can you believe what Tumba has to go through to conquer the, me- the menacing swine? Yes, it is Tomba. It is a platformer for the PlayStation, developed by Whoopi Camp and published by Sony Computer Entertainment. And it is actually the first, um, both the first let's play I've ever done, as well as the uh, first thing that I've featured on from the archives. But when I found out that this song has an extended title, uh, extended title song, and how gorgeous it is honestly I just had to feature it again and do it proper this time because I wasn't doing that in the first season Uh so yeah there are two playlists on uh, lowbiasgaming.net one of my very first let's play and one that I did four years later check it out you're listening to square wave symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax <laughs> Was Triac with Endorphin Machine from the album of the same name? You can check out his music at Triac 8 bit at uh, Ben uh, dot rather, Triac 8 bit dot com. Words, you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. Uh, And speaking of weird, it is time for the news of the weird. Um, Now, I did... I was actually looking for something... Uh, similar, but other than this specifically to do, because uh, Jason from Electric Leftovers does News of the Weird as well, I would like to find something that is in the same format as News of the Weird, but um, not kind of a digest format, basically, like this one does. So if you have any ideas, I am on Twitter now. It's at Squaresim. Uh, Shoot me a tweet and um, let me know if you know of anything like this. So, as always, I do not read these stories ahead of time. Some of these may not jive well with all audiences, so take that as you will. This is usually about 12 minutes, 12 to 14 minutes long. Let's get started. Our lead story, inexplicable. San Diego photographer Mike Sakasagawa prides himself on seeing the beauty in mundane objects, the Washington Post reports. But something about his latest subject took social media by storm. On July 11th, as Sakasagawa returned home from his morning run, he noticed a round yellow object rolling down the street. I thought it was a tennis ball or something, he said, but it was in fact lemon. So he did what any self-respecting photographer would do. He captured video of the fruit as it continued its journey to the bottom of the hill, then posted his one and a half minute documentary to Twitter. Within 24 hours, the video racked up more than two and a half million views. Oh, internet. I post stuff that's similar to this all the time, Sakasagawa said. Most of the time it floats on by. By the next day, the lemon video had gained more than 100,000 likes, was retweeted tens of thousands of times, and a literary agent had contacted Sakasagawa wondering if he'd like to make the lemon into a children's book. Well, when when life gives you lemons, you cut publishing deals. Apparently... Uh, So let's move on to the least competent criminals. We have two of them. Rye Wardlaw, 40, chalked up a big fail on July 8th at Northwest Escape Experience in Vancouver, Washington, when he broke into the business in the pre-dawn hours. According to the Washington Post, Wardlaw tried and failed to enter through a back door using a metal pipe, then knocked a hole through the wall. After climbing through, he knocked over a set of lockers. Then carrying a burrito and beer he nicked from the company's refrigerator, he wandered into the kill room, an escape room dressed to look like a serial murderer's hideout. Among the blood-spattered walls uh, and fake cata- cadavers, Warlaw got scared, but he couldn't escape. So he called 911 four times and pleaded for help. Clark County Sheriff's officers accepted his confession and charged him with second degle- degree the glee second degree burglary You don't escape into an escape room that's just not a good idea Uh, Meanwhile, in Mesa, Arizona, two troopers with the Arizona Department of Public Safety were surprised to find themselves being pulled over on State Route 51 by a black Dodge Charger on July 11th. The troopers were in an unmarked Mustang and had spotted the Charger behind them sporting law enforcement-style emergency lights, reported ABC 15 Arizona. A registration check revealed that the car was registered to a private citizen who soon activated his flashing lights and pulled the troopers over. When the real troopers approached the Charger, they found 44-year-old Matthew Allen Disborough of Mesa wearing a security uniform and a gun belt with a handgun, cuffs, and pepper spray. The car also contained a siren box, police radio, and a vest with a baton and knife. Disborough was arrested for impersonating an officer. Nice try, guys. Uh, our next story, fun suckers. Organizer of Bats Day, a special celebration at Disneyland for the goth community, have called it quits, citing the loss of available tax deductions under President's Tru- Pre- President's, President Trump's new tax law. The annual event began 20 years ago and grew to attract more than 8,000 Goths each year with Disneyland offering discounted tickets and hotel rooms for for participants. We did a lot of research, Bat's Day founder Noah Quarter told Vice, and unfortunately it just wasn't feasible to actually continue with the way that we run the event. On May 6th, about 800 Goths showed up for a final group photo in front of Sleeping Beauty's castle. I'm having a hard time imagining Disneyland being full of goths. But then again, I'm not surprised that President Trump is responsible for ending that political discourse. There's no place for that in this show. Let's move on to awesome. Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo, so much for political discourse, um, isn't going to spend her summer sitting in a stuffy office. Instead, she announced on July 14th that she is holding summer office hours at state beaches beginning with Scarborough State Beach in Narragansett. She and members of the Office of of Constituent Services, who will help uh, connect residents with state services, started their new schedule on July 16th. The governor told the Associated Press she looks forward to hearing directly from residents while visiting some of the state's most popular destinations. All right, our next story, our next two stories under, hey, it's Florida. Oh, man. Indian River County, Florida Sheriff's officers stopped Earl Stevens Jr. 69 on ju- on June 27th after another driver called 911 complaining that Stevens Mercury Grand Marquis kept tapping her bumper in a McDonald's drive through lane. The officers noted a strong order of alcoholic beverage emitting from his breath. His speech was slurred and his eyes were red and glossy. He also had an open bottle of Jim Beam bourbon in a brown paper bag on the passenger seat. Stevens of Vera Beach struggled to produce his ID and said he's never had a valid Florida driver's license according to Treasure Coast newspapers. He also explained that he was not drinking while driving, only when he stopped for stop signs and traffic signals. Yeah, because that makes a difference. After failing several field sobriety tests and a breath test, Stevens was charged with driving under the influence and driving without a license. Also in Floridian News, Florida Highway Patrol officers pulled over a Nissan sedan on May 16th on I 95 after observing erratic driving, reported the Miami Herald. Indeed, Port St. Lucie, Florida resident Scott Allen Garrett, 56, smelled of alcohol, had an open bottle of 92 proof Sailor Jerry Spice drum on the passenger seat, was slurring his words, and had red very glassy and bloodshot eyes, according to the police report. Garrett then told officers his dog had been driving, which would have been notable on its own, but was particularly interesting considering that there was no dog in the car with them. Garrett was charged with D.Y. That's, that's what we need. Not self-driving cars, but dog-driven cars. Because that's going to make all of the difference, isn't it? Apparently, well, undignified behavior. City Councilwoman Carol S. Fowler, 48, of Huron, Kansas, made a splash in the news when Atchison County Sheriff's deputies uh, tried to arrest her on June 29th for failure to appear on an outstanding warrant. Fowler put up with such a fight, uh, deputies had to use their tasers on her, and she was arrested for interference and battery on a law uh, enforcement officer. But Fowler was just getting started according to the Atchison Globe. On July 2nd, as jail workers tried to remove her jewelry and personal items, Fowler bit one of them on the thumb hard enough to break the bone. Fowler now faces three felony charges of battery on a law enforcement officer and charge of interference with a law enforcement officer. I bite my thumb at you. Please don't do that. Just, for one thing, that's just rude. And then you do it on a police officer. Well, what do you expect is going to happen? Bright idea, which that was not. In Nashville, 20-year-old Antonio Freeman knew that he had a problem on June 25th when, tree, eh, tree. <laughs> when three... Three police officers approached him as he rolled a marijuana cigarette. He also knew that there was a bigger problem in his pocket, a plastic bag full of cocaine. In a bold move, according to the Tennessean, Freeman pulled the bag out of his chest pocket, crushed it in his hand, and sprinkled cocaine over officer Ryan Caulfield's head and into the air in the attempt to destroy evidence. The officers were able to salvage about 2.5 grams of cocaine and charge Freeman with tampering with evidence along with possession of a Schedule IV drug and unlawful use of drug paraphernalia. Hmm. And our last story for today, BOLD MOVE. A cheeky seagull embarked on a life of crime on June 14th in Gloucester, Massachusetts, by plucking a man's wallet from the top of a pizza box and carrying it on to a nearby roof. Phil Peterson was on a cherry picker hanging lights nearby and offered to retrieve the wallet, which he, was picking, uh, which he was being picked apart by two baby seagulls. Literally trying to eat it, Peterson explained. He tried to distract them by throwing bread at them, but that only turned their attention to him. It was like the movie The Birds, he said. I was afraid they were going to pick my brains. Quick-thinking bystander Mike Ramos borrowed a flashlight from a police officer and used the strobe feature to discombobulate the birds long enough for Peterson to sneak in, grab the wallet, and bring it back to Earth. It was just the craziest thing I ever saw in my life, Ramos told New England Cable News. The seagull is being charged with—no, it's a seagull. It's not being charged with anything. That would be silly. Like, seriously, who charges a seagull with—oh, maybe Florida— Why? No. No. You know what? No. Let's just move on to the weather. Uh, It is currently 26 degrees and mostly cloudy here in downtown Halifax, looking at a 30% chance of showers or drizzle tonight with a low of 15 degrees. Saturday, July 21st, showers or drizzle and a chance of shun- uh, thunder showers throughout the day with a high of 21 and a low of 18 degrees. Sunday, July 22nd, a chance of showers of 6% throughout the day, a high of 21 and a low of 18 degrees once again. Uh, Monday, July 23rd, a 6% chance of showers and a high of 23, going down to a low of 18 at night and cloudy periods. Tuesday, July 24th, a 30% chance of showers and a high of 24 uh, going down to a low of 17 degrees and cloudy periods at night. Wednesday, July 25th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 24 going down to a low of 18 degrees and cloudy periods at night. And Thursday, July 26th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 24. So overall, mostly nice day, ka- uh, mostly nice week, kinda rainy but um it is better than how it was you know a couple of months ago when i took a season break Eh, can't really complain i guess so you are listening to square wave symphony here on ckdu 88.1 fm halifax and let's get some music going shall we was Alex Luthor with, with uh, Is This Really Your Stop? Is it? Is it really? Mm. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And uh, what better way to start the season than having a little chat with someone I have here uh, with me uh, from Pixel Amusement, Chris Asik. Welcome, Chris.
0: Hello, thanks for having me. You actually pronounced my last name right.
1: (laughs) Yes, well, I have heard it said uh, several times before. Oh, that helps. <laughs> so, um, how about you tell us just a little bit about yourself in general to start with?
0: Sure. Um, well, I do. I currently do a video show on YouTube called Ancient DOS Games, which is basically just a review show where I go back, take a look at old DOS games, talk about them mostly. Even though it's a review, I tend to focus more so on technical features and stuff, since that's what I do best is the technical things. History is not exactly my strong suit, mm. but I also do a show called The Shovelware Diggers, where we dig through old shovelware archives, trying to see just what kind of weird, unusual, broken software we can find. And then I do live streams every, usually about once a week, usually on Sundays, mm. and that's all like more recent stuff. I actually got into all this stuff just doing programming. I've been yes. a programmer for quite a while now. I think it would surprise, think it would, <coughs> excuse me, I think it would surprise people just how old I am when they see me. Mm.
1: Uh, so, what, uh, just to go back to the beginning, uh, well, the beginning of like chronologically, uh, so you started off as a programmer. Yes. And uh, how did you kind of get into that?
0: Um, Long story short, there was a computer in the back of our classroom in grade five. And it was this old, um, I think it was a TRS-80 or something like, or a tandy color computer or something like that. And nobody could figure out how to use it. Mm -hmm. And I was, and so I'm sitting here one day and I'm like, okay, I got my work done early. I'm determined to figure out how this system works. And as I'm going through the, the booklet for it, it's I'm basically learning how to program then and there. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it sort of that sort of like set the groundwork. And so then I started making my own stuff now that I was seeing how this was working. And then I tried like typing in basic one day, like uh, uh, at our Tandy 1000 computer was the one we had at home. And one day I'm just sitting in front of them like, I wonder what happens if I just type basic on the DOS command prompt. And lo and behold, it puts me into a basic interpreter. Ta-da. So <laughs> that was my start in programming, and that was back when I was ten years old in nineteen ninety-three, I think. You're dating yourself. Maybe ninety-two, somewhere, <laughs> something, somewhere around there.
1: All right. And uh, of course, uh, you've also dabbled in uh, a certain game creation system.
0: <laughs> yep, um, I'm sure, as you remember. <laughs> we both were doing the Megazook stuff back in, I don't know when you got started with it, but I was doing it back in the late 90s, early 2000s. I made a whole bunch of stuff for that, which a lot of which is still on the Megazooks websites hmm. and also my own website. And... I got out of Megazooks simply because I didn't see it going anywhere financially. Of course, I kind of saw I kind of saw the the signs that yeah, I'm learning how to do this kind of game design stuff and everything, but ultimately using Megazooks was not going to make me any money. Right. So I wanted to move on from that, and that's why that's why I ultimately stopped using it.
1: All right, and then so you started uh, moving on to uh, I believe you used Allegro, if I'm not mistaken to uh, mm-hmm. make a few games including pixel ships.
0: Yep, the Allegro game programming libraries. I actually got acquainted with them while I was still using Mexics actually. Um, what ended up happening was around the end of around the end of the millennium, uh 98 or 99, one of my friends had developed a sort of graphical library that was some really basic to use with C++ and he called it Direct Y. <laughs> Direct just a sort of takeoff of the whole DirectX thing, and that really wasn't cutting it because it was so basic. Hmm. It just they didn't have a lot to it, so I wanted something you know that could do more. I could do like sound and stuff, and that's when I discovered the Allegro stuff right around right around the late right around 1999. And then I got started working with that, but I ultimately stopped working with that because it was taking so long for the hardware acceleration stuff hmm. to get in place. So.
1: I well, did get no, pixel I, ships running at 70 frames a second,
0: or higher if you uncap it. But right.
1: <laughs> uh, so, what gave you the idea for pixel ships? I mean, I know, but maybe very,
0: it, it's very it. simple. It, I wanted a Pokemon-type game, but with action, and I thought, well, do it as a space shooter, and that's all there is to it. It's basically basically a Pokemon space shooter. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that uh, that sounds about right. It, it's, it's still it's still a pretty nifty game nowadays, except for the lack of sound and music, honestly.
0: Yeah, which I eventually I updated with the Pixel Ships Retro in two thousand six. But even that doesn't really that never really conformed to how I want wanted Pixel Ships to be. So mm-hmm. that's more like a just a side game, which is why I didn't number it. I have plans for a Pixel Ships 2, but it's going to be quite some years before I'm able to bring that to and before I'm able to even able to attempt to bring that to fruition.
1: I know you had those plans for a very long time, honestly.
0: I literally <laughs> have like 20 design docs on Pixel Ships 2. <laughs>
1: and of course, you you do have some other projects that you've worked on uh, between then and now uh, as far okay. as programming.
0: Um Not actually that many. Once I started getting into the whole video thing in 2008 was when I first tried to start Ancient DOS games, but I only got a couple videos in, and I think a grand total of seven people, maybe, have ever seen my first attempt to do Ancient DOS games. So, because that that was something I was doing on Game Trailers, because Game Trailers had this whole video uploading thing, and they had this very bizarre way of sort of advertise uh, like promoting videos it, it was like this whole um uh how do i explain this it's it was like um a bidding system for like placement of your videos within yeah. like within listings and stuff it was very weird and it was like point space like you would accumulate points from views it's uh, doing things on the forums I, bizarre <laughs> yeah so that that only lasted a couple videos and then a couple years later during a really nasty bout of laryngitis where i literally spent a month unable to speak i decided you know what i am never gonna make it anywhere just doing normal but just doing like normal worker stuff just because of my weird sleep issues and stuff so you know what I am just going to give another attempt to ancient DOS games. Just try to be more, try to be more real about it. Try to be like my first attempt. I was try- like mimicking the whole style that James Rolfe was doing with his angry video there and stuff, like trying to be all sensational and everything. Mm-hmm. And that really didn't work for me. That wasn't the kind of personality I have. Right. So I decided to just do a more technical approach. And so I tried again to start ancient DOS games in May of 2010. Right. Given the months to prepare when I couldn't speak, <laughs> which is ironic, and yeah, I've been doing it ever since.
1: Yeah. Um. And uh, so you've talked about ancient DOS games. So where did the idea for Shovelware Diggers come in?
0: Um. What ended up happening was I was trying to think of ways to improve what I was doing, mm-hmm. and so I took a. I made a survey that I had. Peop- that I had viewers and non-viewers. You know, Well, I didn't have them, didn't force them to take it. I just said, here's a link to it. It, I'd appreciate some input. And based on those survey results, it definitely made it clear that everybody wanted more content. And so I was trying to think, what could I do that wouldn't interrupt my normal ancient DOS game stuff, but would actually provide more content? And I thought about the live streams, but I wasn't really prepared to do that at that point. Because I mostly because I didn't have the equipment. Right. But I also considered what, what kind of s- simple show could I make? And I thought back to the 50th episode of Ancient DOS games I made, which was one, which was a very long one. I split it into two parts even, where I went through an old shovelware collection of mine. Well, it, it calls itself a shareware collection i don't right. think i have the disc in front of me, don't but it's basically a 2000 hit games quote unquote collection of right and it's like two cds one cd is all dos games the other cd is all windows games and what's interesting about it is that it's put together in a very rushed way like it does have an inner it has like a throwaway interface that you can use to access all the games, but it's like, some of them have to be installed, some of them don't, some of them have readme's accompanying them, some of them don't, and then one of the other things about these discs is that there's wares on them. Exactly. Like this, was sold, this was sold in stores. I bought it from a radio shack, <laughs> and yet here it was, with all kinds of wares on it. Like not all. Well, not all kinds, but definitely some. Right. And so I was thinking, this is like the perfect thing to go through. Just like pick games at random and see what happens. But I didn't want to just pick them at random. I wanted to involve other people in it. Like tie it into Patreon. Because I was also thinking, well, how can I improve Patreon support? Hmm. So I actually tied it in with one of my Patreon reward tiers. So that people at that tier or higher could actually make the selections for me. For right. which games to cover on the show. And so that's where... That's where the whole idea went is they pick everybody who's supporting me on Patreon at that tier higher makes the selections and then I go through them pick three for the day and just see what ends up and it's a very, very simple show to do compared to Ancient DOS games. Right. Like, ancient DOS games I usually spend about 25 to 30 hours a week for one episode. Wow. Shovelware Diggers takes me like four to five, four to six hours tops. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a bit of a difference. Yeah. Uh, I I do wonder if there is anyone in that uh, Patreon tier uh, who helps you um, choose the games that actually has that compilation.
0: I think one person does, because I've seen them make comments which suggest that they have access to the same stuff. But I don't think a lot of people do. And (laughs) here's another interesting point, is that because there were wares in this collection, I've heard that it was eventually redone without the wares. So there's actually two different versions of this collection out there. So yeah, that would, some people might have it that might, might have the form that doesn't have the wares on it.
1: That would so, uh, definitely be prudent to Softkey to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, as I, as I said, this collection has a rushed feel about it right, to the nth exactly. degree. Like one of the things we dug up early on was flashbacks. But not flashback itself the installer for flashback. <laughs> just the installer <laughs> like well, no game data or anything.
1: At least you do have the fail dig uh, option yeah. where you can just pick someone else like something else that they've uh, selected. Yeah. So they're not completely cheaped out of the of a dig.
0: Well, if that does happen and they don't have a reserve selection, then I just keep them at the front of the list right. for when they do of submit some more selections, so.
1: Alright. Um, so, between your video projects and your programming projects and everything else, what do you feel has been your most ambitious project, whether or not you finished it?
0: Um, Probably the one I'm working on right now. <laughs> I'm doing um in my spare time. I'm doing a game project. It, I've technically already re- revealed the name. The name is IVXscape, <laughs> which is spelled I-V-X-S-E-A-P-E. So it it does actually stand for something, but I haven't actually said what it stands for. It's um it's based on it's an idea I've had for years now because I've wanted to make a game with Tron-inspired visuals, but I've never. I never had like a really good foundation for it, and then I did at one point, so I started prototyping it, and at that point in time it was 2D. And then I thought, well why don't I do a game that has very similar graphics and mechanics to Seek and Destroy, which is a game I covered on Ancient DOS Games, which uses this this overhead view where you're... Your player character, which in that game is either a helicopter or a tank, is situated at the bottom center of the screen and the world rotates around you as you turn and move. And, like, I mean, I love that game, and I've wanted to make a game with similar kind of mechanics. So I got started with that, and I released, like, a very, very early pre-alpha just to see what people, just to get people interested in it. Mm. And I found out that a third of people who tried it were getting motion sick. Oh, dear. (laughs) So that kind of explained to me why nobody makes games in that Mm. format anymore so that threw everything out of whack so i've been trying i've been trying desperately to like redesign the game and i've gone through like like 14 or 15 design revisions now like every time I, every time i'm like ah oh, this this is the perfect way to do it and then i get far into the design i'm like oh those, these two things don't work together what am i gonna do well <laughs> so that's what i've been working on i've I'm making pro- I'm making progress, technically at least. I've got. I'm using the Godot engine hmm. now for doing so that I can have like full 3D and everything without having to build an engine myself. Because building an engine is like half the work. Absolutely. And I've got a flight model in place, and that's about it. But it's a start. All right.
1: So aside from all that, you do occasionally um, produce a music track or two.
0: Oh yeah, I do. I've been doing music work in my spare time since the late '90s. Ever since I just, di- ever since I discovered trackers, <laughs> things like I think I got started with Scream Tracker and then moved on to Impulse Tracker, with a little bit of Fast Tracker in there. But I barely used it because Fast Tracker really was meant to be meant to be mixed with you using like a MIDI device, like a MIDI keyboard or something. Right. Whereas Scream Tracker and Impulse Tracker they work they work pretty well with, key- with just a standard keyboard. And yeah, I've been doing the music stuff for a while. When I first got started with it, my music sounded um, bad, (laughs) but it's definitely improved since then. I've got a whole bunch of my music that I've made on my website, Mm -hmm. but the best music I've made, which would be the more recent stuff, isn't on my website yet, because I've been saving it for when I get a game completed, like Ivexcape, so. Like (laughs) Ivexcape. Hopefully someday people will be able to hear that stuff.
1: I certainly hope so, and um, we we will be uh, listening here to one of the tracks that you do have available on your website. Uh, we gone with uh, Mega Pulse. Yep. Uh, is there anything in particular that you can tell us about this track?
0: Um, uh, the only noteworthy thing is that I tend to I tend to group all my music based on experience level. Hmm. Like when I'm working on music, there's points in time where I feel like. I've advanced considerably. Like I've learned some new trick that's going right. to make it so much my music so much better, and so I split all my music up into experience levels based on that on my website. And Mega Pulse was one of those jumps forward. Mm-hmm. So it was like it, I think it's the first one for experience for what I call experience level seven, <laughs> and the stuff I'm the stuff I do now would be experience level eight. So all that right. gi- that gives you an idea that. It, it, it advancing even further has been a slower progress, but it's right. because you know I'm getting to that point where my stuff actually sounds decent. Right. So.
1: All right. Well, uh, let's have a listen to that. I do thank you for being on the show today, Chris.
0: Yep. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. And uh, so let's have a listen. So you are listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU eighty eight point one FM, Halifax. once again, that was Megapulse of uh, Chris Osick's Level 7 collection. And uh, that puts an end to our Season 3 premiere here on Squarewave Symphony. Uh, So yeah, I have a few ideas for new stuff that I want to try this season and we'll uh, get to that as we get to that um, as the season progresses. But um, yeah i also want to um announce that this is going to also be a podcast i have not set up the podcast yet but um there will be a podcast of the show and it will be featuring both season three and season two uh, as long as you know i'm trying to get all of the episodes of um Season 2 online as well as Season 3 as they progress The show will always be broadcast Live first on CKDU88.1 And CKDU.ca However um, I believe I'll be uh, setting a Time of uh, every Sunday I will be putting up A new episode as soon as I get that set up For you and you can check that On the new Twitter account For Square Squarewave Symphony uh, so, yeah, I, uh, it's time to close this thing up here. I'd like once again to thank Chris Osick for taking the time to be on today's show. You can check out his projects, including Ancient Dolls Games, over at Pixelships.com. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by Format, Madame Namiki, Noriyuki Kemikura, Simon Wood. Whittington, Whalebone, and Ensnare. Stay tuned for the astrology show coming up next on CKDU, followed by the witching hour, earth and sky at 7 PM in the vinyl factory at eight 30 comments, questions, want your chip tunes featured on the show. Email me at square sim at low bias or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. This has been square wave symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time.